Hey everyone, today's guests are the amazing duo Nat Faxon and James Rash, who have a million credits as writers, directors, and producers, as well as Academy Awards, for co-writing The Descendants. They directed one of my all-time favorite movies, The Way Way Back, and their new comedy, Downhill, starring Will Ferrell and Julia Louis-Dreyfus, is out now. I really enjoyed our talk, and I hope you do too. If you get a chance, please reach out to us here at Unqualified. Send your questions, your answers, and your stories to our website, unqualified.com. And now here they are, Nat Faxon and James Rash. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. So we're working on a project where I play twins. I'm struggling with naming, with names. And I thought you guys would be the perfect people to ask advice about this. Ooh. Okay. Oh, great. Because I started to think, like, how much your name sort of inadvertently defines you, like, as you're growing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But how do you guys go about naming when you guys are writing? Oh. <laughs> Nat usually bases his acting choices on the name. That's, for him, he thinks a great name is where he gets his best acting power. Mm-hmm. It's like putting on a costume for the first time, you yes. know? Like, he doesn't even worry about, like, backstory or, or character traits. He's just like, what's my name? It because says that, everything. It says everything for him. Mm-hmm. Our first go-to with names is something nerdy for me, mm-hmm. something Peter Panish bro-y for him. <laughs> so I end up being like, and this is no offense to anyone because I have people in my family named this, Lloyd, mm-hmm. Jamie. This is where I go. With him, we go towards Wes. Tucker. Tucker. Tucker's a good one. Nat, uh, I was going to name you Slade. Nice. Yes. And Jim, I was going to name you either, I think Herschel might be a little (laughs) heavy-handed, but I do think it's a fun name to say. I could absolutely embrace Herschel. Herschel and Slade? (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yes. Uh, All I know is that Herschel and Slade, despite their differences, are the best of friends solving crimes. Oh, you guys are crime solvers. Oh, always. What kind of crimes? When in doubt, with a pilot or anything you're writing, just have them solve a mystery if you don't have a concept. Because Herschel is the brains. Well, let's, let's switch it. Herschel becomes the brawn, and we're surprised. It's sort of a twist, and Slade is the brains. No one will believe it when they see us playing those parts, but that's what it is. (laughs) I like the idea of you guys helping out neighborhood children. Yeah. It's more small, like, town mysteries. No. You guys are like adult Encyclopedia Browns. It's a young adult novel version of yeah. mysteries, yes. No, it's, it's like, who stole Mrs. Krabobble's pie yeah, from yeah. the windowsill? Sure. Mm-hmm. Level two mysteries. Yeah, level mm-hmm. two mysteries. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, okay, so wait, no advice at all? For naming characters? Oh. Because I think it's interesting that when you watch a movie or a program, oftentimes it takes a while to, especially with movies, you don't really register their names and just in general, I think. No. I mean, I was about to say who was Kate Winslet in Titanic, but then I came up with Rose, which she is. Right. So that was not a good example of what I'm talking about. 
Yeah, I think I think actually, you know, in something that's that's pushed by romance, you probably know their names because it's the character is using those names quite frequently. But there are names, there are characters in something that you can go through the whole thing in an action movie and go, what was their name? I think someone right. yelled it at one point. But with a romance, it's hard. It's Harry and Sally. You know, when Harry met Sally, that's, you know. Twins that are fighting, too, and they're East Coast, there's money involved. You know, the twins are my age, 43, well, yeah, 43. Yeah. So I was thinking, okay, what names were popular then? What names are, anyway, mm. so you guys are of no help. That's that's what's happening on a Thursday. <laughs> well, I feel like we we tend to personalize it in some way. Like sometimes, you know, when we were like, I think back to some of the earlier scripts and it was naming, you know, usually characters after people that we knew that were similar sort of archetypes of the character. I know we did that a few times in The Way Way Back. We had a few characters that were based on actual people because they sort of had a similar character trait or sensibility or personality to somebody we knew. And so we sort of maybe modeled it after them. So usually it's it's kind of what type of person or what type of character they are first and then the name comes after. You know, usually it sort of fits once you have a clear picture of what the character is like, I would say. So I kind of want to, because initially we were thinking like, oh, something like maybe like Frankie and Georgie, which so Georgina and like Francesca or something like that or whatever. And then you can shorten it to like make them spunky with the IE or whatever. Most of the characters I've played have been IE or Y names mm-hmm. um, because I, that indicates, you know, or whatever. <laughs> accessibility but I want to kind of go against that I was just thinking like does one grow into one's name or do you mold your foot into the shoe of your name mm-hmm. do you know what I mean yes because mm-hmm. I think there are people that you remember their name instantly it's almost as if they were named correctly right and then you have people who every time you see them you go you do not seem like a Janet to me. Right. I, I keep seeing Janet. Sexy Janet. I know. Janet's great. I mean, yeah. Janet, Janet, Joan. I mean, already oh. you're into a Janet and a Joan. Yeah. Or oh, Janet like Jones. It. Janet Jones. <laughs> but I, I happen to be a junior, and I always thought that when you're a junior or a third or a second or whatever, and you're named after somebody else by full name, even though you may or may, you know, go by a different portion of that name or a different, uh, you know, a shorter version of that name. I always had a, a thing about it. Like, I wondered if that was setting an identity in place or how you thought, you know, you lived in your father's image or you lived in your grandfather's image. Well, or, how do you feel about it? Uh, well... There was a time when I didn't think it was special. Like when I was in seventh grade, I changed schools because we had moved and I tried a new name going into the new school. So I went from... What'd you try? Yeah, well, first of all, I grew up in the South. So James, as my full name, was Jimbo for most of my childhood. And Jimbo is not something I wanted to sustain. I don't know. It seems like it totally fits. It does totally fit. (laughs) But at the time, I rebelled in my mind. Maybe I got it from family ties, but I thought Alex is my name. So I went, yeah. So I went to this new school going by Alex. And of course, you it's not like I, I changed towns. I'm still in the same city. People were like, oh, I thought your name was Jim. So it got, it got pretty much, that balloon got popped within, a, I guess, a first week of school or whatever. But in my mind, I thought, this is who I really am. 
So I think for some, some part of me thought I wasn't named correctly. I bet that most people go through that. Do you think? Yes. Nat? Yeah, Nat. Did you go through that? Mm, no, I was always pretty comfortable in my name. I liked that it was a little different. I liked that it was, you know, not a lot of people. I, I, there wasn't really anybody in my school that had the same name. Did you always go by Nat? I did, yeah. I mean, my full name is Nathaniel, but no one ever really called me Nathaniel. And my family uh, called me Nat or Natty Boy. How different would you be if everyone just called you Nathaniel? You're, like if your parents, this is baby Nathaniel, isn't baby Nathaniel just so beautiful? It like, didn't, <laughs> it didn't really. <laughs> Are you in your garage? Yeah. Your garage has a mirror? Yeah. So I you, think, you don't really open up the door very much? No, we, we kind of, no, I converted right. it. I could ask more interesting things. So you guys, I saw your movie like three weeks ago, Downhill. I loved it. Oh, thank you. First of all, I love The Way Way Back so much. I Thank you. Thank you. And Alice, oh God. I mean, the whole movie is so, I think I've seen it at least five times. I just, I love, it's just, it's such a fucking great movie. And I love Downhill. And I want to ask you guys a lot of questions about it. And Downhill is actually a perfect movie to watch at home right now for sure. Good. Yes. Yes. Because it's funny, it's fascinating, and the performances are fantastic. You guys did a great job. I wanted to ask you, though, is that one of those things that where everyone's all excited because you get to make a skiing movie in the mountains in Europe, and it's like, this is going to be hard, but it's going to be really fun. I remember talking to somebody who did that movie in Tahiti with Vince Vaughn. What was it called? Couples Retreat? Yes. They said something like, we got to, you know, shoot in French Polynesia for like two months or whatever. I think it quickly becomes de-romanticized, you know, when you're, when it sounds amazing. And of course it is because we're working or whatever. But I feel like if I had been cast in Downhill... Oh, that sounds loaded. That sounds very loaded. I would have been really excited to ski, to be in the environment and everything. But then I'm sure for you guys, it must have presented all kinds of logistical shit. How did that go? It, there was too I, much silence there. Did I know. I ask, because, did I ask a wrong question? Because between Nat and I, we just have a thing where we do an inhale and we can't tell who's going to start. Mm-hmm. And most likely Nat is trying to pause to get me to start. Or I see him shaking his head, and so now I know what his inner monologue is. I wish Jim would let me speak. So I'm going to say, Nat, go. Boy, adding visual. For me, I guess what was in- <laughs> <laughs> Easiest bit. Go ahead, Nat. Uh, adding video component to this is very helpful. Just, Our listeners really appreciate it, too. Yeah. yeah. All they're thinking is, like, we don't know what you guys are doing. Just speak. No. I would say yes. The answer to that first part of the question is absolutely. It was uh, the, the thought of going to Europe for several months and living there and uh, shooting a film there was very exciting and enticing. I think I asked a question that you guys have answered a ton. <laughs> No, because I know the junket stuff and, like, how hard was it to shoot in the mountains. That's, like, the 
like most obvious question. You guys have answered that a fucking gazillion times. It presented challenges, <laughs> and uh, you know, and like, and maybe there's a couple of funny bits about some Austrian grumpy people or something. Which uh, I bet they're great, but I've seen some of them. Great bits. Great, great bits. bits. Great, great bits. Great bits. <laughs> mm-hmm. But truly, though, what like at what point during the shoot did your temperament or level of frustration cross like over a six on a scale of one to ten? Like how quickly did that happen? Or did it not happen at all? I would say there were there were times when you like like you were pointing out, you can go someplace and it seems all great and then sort of the it's the the shine wears off. And I think that's partly because as grateful as we are to be working and experiencing someplace new, we all have a little pull towards home and things that feel more in our control and just the things we know. So we're in this unknown world and you're vulnerable both to the elements we were dealing with, but also language barrier sometimes. I think we would reach sometimes because we were in an area of Austria that hadn't had that much film shot there. You were sort of a, experiencing people saying, oh, this will be easy. Oh, yeah, you can have this location. Yeah. Oh, you can have that location. Oh, that. Yeah, absolutely. Then you get to a place with it where like, oh, there's no way they're going to shut down this restaurant for you. Oh, but we do have to shoot in this restaurant. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, they're just, you know, they have to keep going. Oh, no. So how can we now adjust this? You know, (laughs) so I think there were moments where communication and sort of what we were expecting and not expecting would make for moments that cause for a delay. But I'm trying to think of any other ones specifically. But but that's it. You just come into something and you have a set rules that you think, oh, this is how we shoot. We'll need this. We'll close it down. And then you'll open back up. But sometimes that was not how it was seen. I bet you guys are a dream to work with, though. And I bet Julia and Will just loved working with you guys. And I think when you have that kind of leadership where people can, like, sort of laugh in the face of frustration or, you know, don't get hung up on... um, you know, the, the idea, I guess, of having ingenuity and being agreeable to, like, with change of plans and stuff. I bet it was a lot of fun. Yes. Although it is weird. I think the only movie, Jim, this applies to you, that I've looked back and I'm like, every fucking day I had a blast, truly, was Smiley Face. Yeah, I was going to say. And you were so great in that. Now, did you know that Jim and I worked together years ago? Did you know that I was supposed to get that part? and what? then? Couldn't do it because I had to go, I did Beer Fest and it conflicted or something, or Club Dread or something I did. But I was supposed to be the other guy in Smiley Face. Oh, John Krasinski's role? I think so, yeah, like the super handsome guy. Oh, no, that's, what was the other one? What's that? Uh, the do- the dopey guy that, that, oh that doesn't God. say anything. No, no, but honestly, <laughs> Anna, I seriously I was. was. I actually was, I was like cast. I was really? like- yeah, I they I had gotten the part. I auditioned for Greg, right? Didn't yeah. Greg? Yeah, I auditioned for Greg. I got the role, and then there was like a conflict where I had to like it was sort of one or the other, and I couldn't do both, and there was conflicting dates, and so you I had chose to, beer over weed. I did. Yeah, chose beer over weed. It <laughs> was again. It was Mexico over LA. It was sort of like. <laughs> God, it's it's the choices. It's the choices we make. But, but it yes. Sh- yeah, it does show the type of roles you're given. Weed or beer. That pretty much could be your resume. Yeah. Thank beer, you. Yeah. Beer character week. Slade. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. As you should be. I'm like lab coat or... <laughs> or Radio Shack. How, how did you guys team up? Well, we met at the Groundlings. That's how we met pretty much through that program and doing sketches. So what year was that? 97 we probably officially met. 
And then no, ninety-eight, ninety-eight. And what makes you guys good partners together? Because that's yeah. that's a long time to be yeah. uh, working together. We're still trying to figure out the why of our relationship. You know, like why us? Why are we doing this? Why are we putting ourselves through it? You know, the things that you naturally put off until way too late, and then you realize you've gone too far down a road and you can't turn around. It's sort of like you're you go, oh, there'll be a U-turn up here, and I can just sort of change course and and make things right. But then you realize, oh no, the road keeps going, and and that's still in the in the passenger seat. Anyway, I've never had these feelings. <laughs> Are you guys comfortable enough with each other that you can accurately assess each other's uh, strengths and weaknesses and when uh, like approaching the script? Like do, does somebody work on structure does or do you guys just collaborate with the whole time? Uh, no. Let me let no. me help you. Let me help you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We're trying to figure out the best way to write uh, as a duo. Herschel's great with structure, and Slade really comes in to punch it up. God, God. Oh, my God. Herschel's, Herschel's like, were you playing hockey again, Slade? Guilty. Uh, oh, my God. Fantastic. No, I think, you know, I think our, like anything, you know, your your evolution of your working together has changed just as our lives have sort of changed from I mean, when we met, we were at the Groundlings and we were just doing sketches and writing sketches together and our lives were completely different than they are now. And I think we were more hands-on together in the beginning, but that's also because our, you know, at least on that side, not married and kids. But I think we have a nice working relationship. I think we have a nice um, similar taste and similar instincts usually with stuff but I don't we don't sit next to each other and and write as much as we probably did in the beginning I just don't think that's possible anymore now you guys can like trade trade things off I'll start you know just because our uh, circumstances wise I you know it's it's just me here you know just me <laughs> oh my god I feel like I should like say something sympathetic but no, no, no. I'll deal with this. I have a therapy Zoom right after this. So oh, I'll, good, good. I'll go down the road with that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Ooh, um, okay, so, and Nat, you've got your two kids there? Three children. Three children. Three children. God, they're well named. Ruthie, Otis, and Beatrice. Those are great names. Right. Thank they you. Family names. names. All family names. So, okay, uh, I do want to talk uh, about how you guys are doing. I This is my fifth podcast I've, I've done from home, and, it, and, you know, I don't want it to be too somber, but it is the, I was telling Jim that it's the undercurrent that I think we mm -hmm. all have right now that's just sort yeah. of simmering. Yeah. But what have you found that you are valuing that has taken you by surprise, besides something like toilet paper, but it could be <laughs> anything? It's a good question. Hmm. I've been hiding certain things around the house. What do you mean hiding? <laughs> well, like Oreos. Okay. You know, just think just things that are like this could come in handy. I need oh, gotcha. This. I know that there's a bunch of other things that I I value more than I used to. Yeah. yeah. 
I've been drinking a lot of tea. Me which too. Is not, which is not something I normally do. I don't either. It feels very... Uh, comforting? Comforting in the moment. Yeah. yeah. So I've been housing tea, but I like it with honey, and now I'm low. Oh, the honey. Very low on honey, and yeah. now, I'm t- now I'm getting very nervous. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you should start hiding the honey so that your kids and your wife can't have honey. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, yeah, it's hard because when you have the kids, you kind of have to give over. You're used to being generous. You're used to being generous, you know? But yes, I think like we had a good bag of salt and vinegar chips, which are not a flavor that I normally go to. But on occasion, man, they're delicious. But on occasion, and there was like a scrap over who, you know, like I felt like I was grabbing huge handfuls so that I would have enough to, you know, like withstand. You know, the yeah. next 10 minutes. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of that going on. 10 minutes? On. Jeez. <laughs> to get through a king-size bag? Yeah. No, no, I just need you, you need a handful to just survive the next 10 minutes. It's like I you're love- living in 10-minute increments. <laughs> you got to break it down moment to moment. <laughs> yeah, that's so smart. <laughs> okay, now imagine you both are single, okay? Done. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Deal breakers. This person used to date your cousin. Deal breaker. Deal breaker? Deal breaker. How do you know? How could he be so decisive with such little information? Well, I am close with my older cousin on my mom's side. He was sort of like a big brother to me growing up. So the idea of sort of like being with the same girl that he was with for a long time is a little like dating a girl that like my brother dated or something, which is a little like maybe a little too close. Okay. Okay, after the first date, this person asked to borrow $5 to pay the valet. Is that a deal breaker? Yeah. No. Is this the same cousin, girlfriend? No, the cousin got rejected. We finished with the cousin. (laughs) So this person, all they did was ask for $5. They didn't have cash on them. No, I don't think that's a deal breaker. Not a deal breaker. No, No. I don't think so. It wouldn't be for me either. No. But they'll need to Venmo me back the $5, you know, (laughs) just to keep trust in this maybe relationship. Um, they have a naked picture of their ex in their bedroom, but they are an Ooh, artist. But they're an we artist. Say, yeah, they're an artist. It's a painting. No. Um, well, I guess eventually they're going to want to paint me, so it's only fair. <laughs> I wouldn't worry so much about that. Really? Uh, Would you? No, I mean for Jim, them painting Jim. Okay. Oh, because they wouldn't. It wouldn't be competition. That I don't think. I don't think that would ever become an issue. So I would worry less about that. Oh, okay. I would worry that it was maybe a subconscious attempt to intimidate on some level. Or maybe they're never totally over that Let person. Let go of that person, maybe. Yeah. yeah I, that would be hard for me. I think I would have a cringe-ness to that. Like, oh. I See, I almost feel like it's more manipulative as opposed to nostalgic. Mm. Yeah. That's how I perceive it. Like, I, th- I think that there are other indicators that would lead to the conclusion that this person is not over the X. Yeah. Because I think that there is something intentionally conversation inviting. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would I- say deal breaker. If it's not an, uh, an immediate deal breaker, I have a feeling the conversation that happens at that moment will lead to maybe a deal being broken. Because <laughs> I think that's the answer of what you just said. Like, why right. is there a picture First, they'll say, I'm an artist. It's just what I do. I don't think the physical form is anything but to celebrate. And then the next thing is like, all right, let's let's get your clothes off. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think I'm t- I would be too proud to ask. I would say, oh, that's that's beautiful. 
you know, did you do that or something like that? And then if the conversation led to the ex, then it would be like, oh, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They don't watch movies. They say their imagination is more vivid than cinema. Ugh. No. Gross. Bye. <laughs> Deal breaker. Nope. They better tell me a really good story right away. But at the same time, I don't want to hear their story. Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like that line right there. I just don't watch movies, you know? I'm just like, okay, stop. It's the self-describing. Yes. Mm. Yes. You know, you well, because exactly you never, what I'm talking about. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you start describing yourself one way, you're lying. You're absolutely lying. You know, I'm so spontaneous. I'm just yeah. like, I'm always like doing things at the drop of the hat. And then you're going like, you were absolutely doing the exact opposite of what you were saying. This is who you want to be. I'm just the kind of person that like really needs like yeah. space. But then like, like sometimes I am dependent. Yeah. I'm like a nurturer at my heart. Like all I want to do is like take people in. And, and I guess it's a curse, but I just love it. And so for me, it's like, it's not like getting lost in them, but I absolutely am there when they need me. Anyway. Do you think there's a correlation between the social media tidal wave that's happened in the last decade or whatever and self-describing? Or have people always self-described? I think we have a platform where to put ourselves out there and and, and present ourselves in a certain way. So we almost added a visual to maybe just having described it in the past, you know? But I think we've amplified an image of ourselves that we want to present. So I think that's an effect of being able to socially show ourselves. Yeah. Um, Their best friend is a 21-year-old. Oh. I'm okay with that. Could be fun, right? Gross. (laughs) Can we break up with him? Is that a deal breaker to break up with Matt? Come on, guys. What club we going to? That could be fun. What do you guys want to do? I don't know. That, again, it's, 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 you know, everyone's different. I think it would depend upon who that 21-year-old person is that, and how they became their <laughs> best friend. Yeah, but they could be spunky and fun. Oh, God. He will not let the spunky and fun person go. <laughs> okay, Jim, for you, what about somebody who loves to camp? Like every weekend. Oh. Is that a deal breaker? Actually, it is not a deal breaker. I I am not opposed to camping. Now, uh, I have a one night in me. So if this person is like a two-night camper, they say, if I'm not camping, I'm not living, if that's their motto, <laughs> then it's a deal breaker. But I do like people who take you out of your comfort zone. I think that's interesting. And I think as long as that person is into your comfort zone, in other words, that they are equal partners and will experience your stuff, that's a great thing. So if this person is militant about their weekend camping, then it's a deal breaker. Because, you know, as Nat knows, I am never not at my tango class. I that love it. So beautifully. Scratched. That's my new pilot. He's camping. Uh, he's camping, and he's all tango. Can they get along? <laughs> um. Okay. Wait. And that for you. This isn't a deal breaker. But what is a quality about your wife that amazes you that you love? Ooh. Um. I admire her brutal honesty. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to just say it like it is and be okay with the potential repercussions of making statements that are honest. Is this mostly directed 
to you and your children, or is this a sort of a blanket directness? Yeah, it's a blanket. I like that. I wish I had more of that. I know, I have none of that. Like all great directors. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> she is very like, I'm gonna say it, and I, you know, maybe that's insensitive, but it's the truth. Does it make things easier? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fact, sometimes it makes things very difficult, but you can't really argue with it. You can't, I understand it and I admire it. I don't always think it's the correct move or the best path to take at times. Because I think there are moments when things can be softened or sort of pulled back from or not said at all. We're in this industry with like incredibly sensitive, vulnerable people that also have massive egos. Mm-hmm. It's tricky to communicate in this town. Mm-hmm. Back to sort of a, like a, a, a larger issue, considering that we've been doing this for a month, essentially, and how radically we've shifted in psychologically, uh, socially, and the innovations that have already happened in just one month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But let's say we're stuck at home, or most of us, except for the incredibly hardworking people out there, for, let's say, four months. Like, what kinds of innovation will we have at that point? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think in my search for control, I like to think about where we will be. This is obviously an abnormal situation. We can't say when we're like, when we're in situations like this, but when we are in this situation or what we're trying to wrap our brains around, and it partly is what is that world after this? You know, we're, we're quick to adapt, obviously. Things happen and we think there's no way to do it and we find certain ways to adapt our lives to do it. But I do think, you know, there will be a very important part for us all to come out on the other side and realize what is working and what is not working and was not working, you know, within our system. Now that goes from large things, healthcare, to small things. And that's just human interaction and knowing that we're all vulnerable to the same thing. You know, like going back to that thing, is there's this fear of missing out, certainly psychologically, but then there's fear of not doing enough. And I think not doing enough can mean anything like, you know, the pressure of like, I'm not learning Spanish, I'm not you know, uh, writing that play that I've been wanting to with that book, but also not doing enough. We have people out there who are facing the, the, the front line every day and then go to bed and then do it again. Right. Partly that is the, you know, because they are experts in their fields, they're ER doctors, they're nurses, they're hospital staff, they're cleaning, they're, you know, uh, supermarkets, you know, uh, anything that's open and facing this stuff. And I think that puts the pressure on us too, is to come out of this and realize what's taken for granted, what we can do to be better as we come out of this and what things we do and don't need anymore. And I think regardless of, of not wanting to go all, all through this and wanting it to be different and we keep saying, oh, we should have done this and we have to move past the shoulds because it is what it is. You know, uh, lots of things should have been done. But I think what we we have the power to do is decide when we come out of this, there is learning to be done and there's shifting to be done, both, you know, um, the things that worked for us in this time, you know, because you get really, and I'm sorry, this is a long monologue, but no, you no. get very, you get very introspective at this time. You talked about what do I nurture? And yes, we nurture all these things, these sort of comforts we need, whether it be, you know, old movies or whatever gives us a sense of normalcy. But I think also it's like this very introspective of time and you realize, oh my God, this is what I miss. And again, I, I, I think it is a time when you go, who do I want to be when I leave this 
situation. And there are people who are out on the front lines who are saying the same thing. What do I want this world to be? Who am I? They're showing themselves to be something that we value and, and we celebrate, you know. And I think we all want for ourselves this feeling that we'll be bigger and better after this for a whole host of reasons. And monologue over. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You talked briefly when, uh, I think before Nat got on, about, you know, our job is to stay home because yeah. that's our job. And it feels helpless and it feels like it feels fortunate and guilty in a way. Like yeah. whether it's the, you know, the UPS people or, of mm -hmm. course, all the people working at our hospitals and, and our firemen and our, you know, police officers. Policemen. Like yep. everybody, like who is continuing to go out there. It's like, fuck, mm -hmm. I'm this fucking punk-ass actor, like, doing a stupid thing. But I get to talk to you guys. I didn't mean to disparage mm -mm. my craft. <laughs> On top of all the other things that we're feeling. Yeah. The truth is, is, like, yes, it, it, there's a lot of pressure because you instantly feel the guilt of, like, well, I'm not on the front line. I'm not, I'm not taking, you know, meals directly to somebody, whatever it is. But at the same time, you know, I think there are people who are, who just spend their day checking in with friends or people they have not spoken to or parents or cousins or strangers, that's something they did. So I think you have to start saying like, what I'm trying to do is make sure that person is not lonely. That person has food and I don't know how I'll do it, if it order it or get it to them. Yeah. But as my point, I'm just saying is like it is to remember that there is something you can do, and 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 what you're doing is not meant to be anything. It is just as grand in certain ways. I'm not saying it's it's on the front line by any means. Not diminishing. I'm just saying the slight yes. pressure that we put on ourselves can be relieved by just saying like, what can I do from me, who I am right now, to make someone feel better or give back in some small or grand gesture. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. Herschel. <laughs> that was such a Herschel moment. Classic Herschel dialogue. Nerd alert. <laughs> hey, you guys, can you just hold on a second? I'll be right back. Do you mind if we do the same? Sure. I'm not going to go anywhere. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'll be right back. Okay, bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So anyway, um... I guess I'll take this time to just say a few words. Uh, maybe I can talk about my relationship with Jim, how much I do, and that goes unappreciated. Feels like my contributions are undervalued and feels like I never get the credit for certain things that we do in our careers. I'm always quick to shine a light on him, but it feels like in return, I only get darkness. But, uh, you know, I guess I have to learn to, you know, 
communicate those things instead of just hold them tightly. Anyway, I guess that's it. All right, life questions here. All right, Jim, we'll start with you, but you guys both answer these questions. Okay. All right, mm-hmm. Matt? Okay, I'm in. Uh, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, uh, mint, mint chocolate chip. Ooh, that's kind of what I was going to say, mint chocolate chip. I also like, um, oh, what's it called? Chocolate peanut butter is another one. Salted caramel. Salted caramel. All right. Yeah. Salted caramel, mint chocolate chip, and as a kid, I really liked pistachio. Oh, Wow. All right. Okay. I'm giving you three. Sorry. You don't like pistachio anymore? No, I still, it's hard to find. It is hard to find. You're right. Yeah. Um. Okay. What did you want to be growing up? Jim, once again with you. Oh, I had in my mind I was going to be an architect. Oh, you do have a beautiful kitchen there. Thank you. Thank you. I, I don't know where that came from. Uh, my dad was in development, but not necessarily that type of hands-on architecture type idea. But I don't know. That was in my head. Okay. Who is influenced your career the most? Nah, you go first because I'm still thinking. Uh, like on a personal level or just somebody anything. like that we... Anything. Anything. I, you know, always watched Saturday Night Live when I was a kid. Like that was super exciting because it felt like that was kind of, you know, something that I enjoyed and maybe wanted to do. And therefore the people that were on Saturday Night Live when I was a kid, which was more you know, 80s. Uh, so like Dana Carvey, Mike Myers. That was a good guys. cast, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that era uh, I really looked up to as far as, you know, people that were doing kind of things that I wanted to do and kind of helped, I think, get me excited about that. Yeah. Jim, do you have one? Well, when you first said it, I just go in with what first popped in my head. And it was actually a, a teacher Later, I took an extra year of high school at a, at a boarding school, like a postgraduate year, because I was not a great student. And I had a teacher, uh, Penelope Reed, who taught theater. And it was the first time, I don't know, that I just fell in love with... Uh, I just loved her approach to the stuff we were doing at that school. She really made it all inclusive. And that's the first person that popped in my head. And the second was anything Martin Short was doing, especially Jiminy Glick, I just obsessed. Do you think that Penelope Reed, if she's still around, knows that her former student won an Oscar? I don't know. You took out that big ad. Yeah. Saying I won. It was in Variety. It says, uh, uh, Ms. Reed... Remember me? <laughs> I won this. I was Major General Stanley in Pirates of Penzance, and I never remembered the lines to uh, uh, Modern Major General. Remember how professional I was? <laughs> that, that, that kind of stuff. Um, Nat, does it bother you at all that our listeners are getting the impression that only Jim won an Oscar right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I am just constantly <laughs> forgotten about. <laughs> Okay, uh, what is your favorite sick rainy day movie? Sick slash rainy day movie. A movie that you've watched maybe at least four times and you could watch again. Um, Well, some, I don't know if they're rainy day, but I've watched Raising Arizona uh, more than four times. Mood-wise, I would, Stand By Me sticks out as something that I would go back to and watch now and then. My go-tos are usually like, like about a boy I really love, mm. Groundhog Day, Bridget Jones's Diary. Like, because yes. for me, it's usually, it's, it has to be specific enough that it's comfort. Yeah. It's like eating, I don't know, chicken pot pie or something. Mm-hmm. There's the taste expectation, yeah. you know, is like, you know, your viewing expectation is matching exactly what you need. 
<laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, it's like comfort food. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on what you're what you're going for. Like, I just want to laugh. And then there's the mood where you're just sort of like, oh, man, I know this is going to make me cry. And that's what I want. I want a real good cry. Yeah. I mean, I, I loved the jerk, but I don't know if that's jerk. like. If that's what you put in. If that's the, my like rainy day movie. Right. Like there's movies that I've watched a lot that I love that I feel very comforting. One in particular is there was a documentary about the band Journey called yeah? Frontiers and Beyond. Oh and it was made in 1983. And it's possibly the funniest, best movie. And I've what? probably seen it like 30 times. What makes it so good? I got to check this out. Because it's a documentary that's done by NFL Films. And so the voice of NFL Films was this guy by the name of John Facenda. And he had that deep sort of rolling voice where it was like the Pittsburgh Steelers are down to their final, you know, timeout. But he was doing the documentary about the band Journey. So it's like Steve Perry arrives on the scene with a new look. He's grown a mustache to change his image. <laughs> and it's like 1983, it documents their tour. They were at the height of their popularity. And it's so intoxicating to watch it because of the outfits, because of like the way they're carrying themselves, their like egos. And then they also chronicle like the band and the roadies that are following them which are like filled with like incredible characters. This wouldn't have been any kind of inspiration for Spinal Tap, would it have been? I don't know. I think Spinal Tap might have been before, right? Well, I don't know when Spinal Tap came out. 83? I don't know. This was, the Journey thing was 83. But it honestly is like, I could pump it up as much as possible and you would still be blown away by it. Like your expectations would still be Okay, all right. Right. It's really good. I don't know how, where you find it or how you find it, but okay. it is <laughs> phenomenal. So that is a movie that I love and will always watch because I have it like on DVD from like years ago when we still watched on DVDs. But again, I don't know if that's like my rainy day movie. All right. Know? Well, I feel like a movie like The Ice Storm or something like that is a little geez. bit more like... Whoa, that's a rainy right. day, man. Moody yeah. rainy day. That's a so rainy you want, day. So you want mood. You want mood. Yeah, I want I'm, mood. Okay. I, when I'm in the, when it's raining, I want to like hear like Neil Young and have a fire. Did you see you know? Fargo season two? No. Should I watch that? Yeah. Season two is rad. I think I've seen it at least six times. I think. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, and good. I really, really love it. it. It's a little heavily stylized. You kind of have to get used to, like, I think I watched the first 15 minutes four times before I was like, Okay, I guess I kind of like it because it was a turnoff. Check it okay. out. I, I okay. think it's fabulous. Right. Um, okay, what is a trait you dislike in others? Ego or, or like bravado. I don't know. I'm like you. being yeah. full of yourself. Yeah. Thinking you're better than you either are. False bravado. Like if you have to convince other people, then you sort yeah. of yes, have exactly. to convince yourself, I guess. Yes, or you have to talk about how great you are. Jim, wait, do you have a quality that you... I guess I would say people that are a challenge for me to be around, and some of these people just go through phases, but I do think there are people in your lives that tend to lean towards a pessimism and a, and a sort of a, a, a drama um, addictive nature. So to me, those type of people can be very draining. Uh, I'm not saying that's their constant, but I do know people who seem to stay in a consistent place of I'm addicted to being 
not happy. And so I think that's exhausting. So yes. I, I, I don't doubt that we all go through those tendencies, but I think the people who keep the gas pedal on for that kind of world. For yes. Them. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. I'm very negligent with my friends that are prone to that. I do think you have to remove yourself. There's a difference between yeah. someone who is just wanting to spout anger but do not want advice or do not want you to offer anything to maybe suggest something. Obviously, you're trying to validate their feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do believe in going like, I'm going to get off the phone now, you know, in a way that I got to go. It's not about what they just said, but it's like, okay, yeah, let's let's chat a little later, which in other words, like, I got to go. Oh, this- so that's what you're doing. <laughs> Oh, constantly with you. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. Got it. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I never not have an appointment when I'm talking to Nat on the phone. Yeah. Well, and Nat brings the drama always. I Ugh, just thought constant. you were so busy. There's always something wrong. It's constant. Okay, if you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? Oh, uh, Paris. Oh. Mm. I don't understand Paris. I love I love what I, I know of it. I don't know. But I don't I know all the rules. It's like a city of mystery, right? I, I tell you, the reason that's quick for me right now is because while we were shooting downhill, we were there before the holidays and then after to start actually shooting. So I didn't come back to L.A. for the holidays, neither did Nat. But we both went to different places, and I went to Paris by myself. Uh, over the Christmas uh, holiday. And I just had the best time. It was just me walking around the city. And so I think because I experienced, and I, and I think, I'm not totally sure, but it feels like Paris is also sort of like LA. It empties out a little bit at the holiday time. Like people go other places or it felt that's what uh, I came to understand. Cause that's what it felt like. So uh, that's why it's romanticized in my head at this exact moment. Yeah, there's something nice about Europe in the sense that you can, if you're gonna be there for a year, you could then travel to so many different places that are close to you, you know, and experience different things. Whereas there's a lot of places in the world that I have not been that I would love to experience, you know? You're not sure if you wanna be there for a year? But I'm not sure if I want to be there for a year. You are taking this quite seriously. I like, I love, like, yeah, yeah, because you're, I, you're planning it out. Well, because Your he will not make packed. a decision. That's a huge well, decision oh, for Nat. Nat oh, does not make a decision fast. So so if you gave yeah. him a menu of places you could spend a year of your life, yeah, you would be hard. sitting there for a year oh. while he made a selection of that. <laughs> oh, so, so wait, Jim, that means, like, in the editing room and everything, are you, you're the more decisive person? Let me just say that I can be more decisive. I'm not saying that necessarily is the right answer because gotcha. I can probably be a little bit more impulsive. So yes. Nat likes to to consider things longer than I do because I think my approach to writing sometimes is just to like keep writing, rewriting. So in other words, I go road, one road, that's wrong. You know, I don't take a beat. And sometimes you need to take a beat. You need to say, I'm going to step back and let me map this out before I jump back in. And sometimes it, the opposite is true. But I would say that, I, yes, I would say I'm, I'm probably a little quicker to say, let's let's do this, he thinks, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, Nat started with Europe, and he he hasn't even, like, we haven't even filtered down. Like, (laughs) we haven't. (laughs) No. We might want to move on. (laughs) There's too many, there's a checklist of things he needs to know first. I'm giving you Belgium. (laughs) All right, fair enough. I'll take it. Have fun. Okay, Uh, who would you invite to your dream dinner party? Let's say uh, two people. Uh, man, this is a tough one. I know. I know it's a tough one because I can't answer it myself. But there's a, there's a lot of people that I admire for, of course, like all of us for different reasons. I would love like Kate McKinnon or, or like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like somebody like Steve Martin would be really fun and, mm-hmm. and it would probably be funny, which would, I think, make the night enjoyable. 
Uh, and then in like some sort of like political person, you know, or somebody from history that's done something like incredible. Yeah, it's like you want you want a Mark Twain. You want somebody, you know, yeah. who's going to tell a great story. Yeah. Well, I'm so self-absorbed that I'd be too worried about what he was thinking of me as, as, well, instead of listening. To well, it. you invited him to your home. So Mark Twain needs came. to get his shit together and just remember yeah. that you are breaking bread with yeah. him. Yeah, uh, chili. You were breaking chili and you put beans in it specifically because yeah. Mark Twain yeah. says I love beans. Right. But I think it'd be fun to have someone literary like that and then let them let them tell me about their book that I <laughs> that I chose not to read. <laughs> and I think that guest, let's just say, hey, Mark Twain, I have not read any of your stuff and I apologize, <laughs> but I wanted to break bread with you and chili uh, so that you could just tell me about some of the stuff you've written. Yeah, just... <laughs> We now have books on tape, so I know that wasn't an option back when you were around. I'm sure there's got to be an essay on why Mark Twain changed his name from Samuel Clemens. What's up with that, Mark? That's what I would ask him. What also goes back to what we were talking about names, you know, so maybe someone said to him, like, you don't seem like a Samuel. And he goes, I don't. Thank you. I've always felt like a Mark. Yeah. (laughs) So, so far we have half a dinner party, but. Yeah, we got half a dinner party. What about somebody awful? Oh, just just to to what to to tell them what you feel or just no, no, no. just understand them more. Somebody fascinatingly awful. Like I don't know. I was gonna go Joe Exotic, but I have too many feelings about that whole thing, yeah, and I'm no. still like like no. sort of in recovery from that experience yeah. that it's yeah. it's been. In. Yes, I like literary greats. I like uh, like an, a musician from the past that you know would be. Interesting to oh, hear yeah. their stories, you know. Mm-hmm. And if we picked somebody who was who played a musical instrument quietly, then we mm-hmm. could all talk. Yeah. yeah, they could do a set. Yeah, mm-hmm. with like a yeah. harp. What's a quiet instrument? Well, an acoustic guitar is not terrible. It can blend That's into true. the background. Yeah, but like Mozart, or you could, you know, that would be interesting. No, I have issues with yeah. him. I, I'd really want to get yeah. into it with Mozart. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. You have that long-standing no. hatred. No, he's my Joe Exotic. You know, to put your example, I go, how dare you? How <laughs> dare you? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So this is the part where we call one of our listeners okay. and right. we give them advice. Right. Got it. <laughs> okay. 
Hello. Hi. Hi, Brittany. It's Anna. Oh my gosh. Hi. So nice to talk to you. Oh, thanks so much for doing this. I'm here with Nat Faxon and Jim Rash. Hi, Brittany. Hello. They wrote and directed Downhill, which is awesome. Yes. Hi. So tell us what's going on. I have uh, an older sister. She got divorced about two years ago. And she started to date more, which was great. And maybe like four months ago, she told me that she started seeing someone pretty exclusively. And I was happy for her. But then she told me um, who it was. And it's my step cousin's ex-husband. And we're not related to him or anything. So don't worry about that part. But we did, you know, used to see them on holidays. And we're close with my uncle, who is my cousin's stepdad. And my cousin and him have um, a kid together and long history. And so she told me this. And then she said that she didn't want to tell anybody in my family, only me and her know. And she has excuses why she won't tell them like, oh, she wants to make sure it's serious and da da da. But I know that it's because she's afraid of everyone's reactions and afraid to know the truth that it's weird. And I don't want to judge anyone's relationship. And I'm happy that she's you know, giddy and all of that again, but it does kind of eat at me that she knows it's not a good idea and she just doesn't want to face up to it. And she really doesn't have a good track record of the guys that she picks. And I just, I want her to like open her eyes or something, but I just don't really know what, what to do. I don't want to be the one to tell my family, but should I be pushing her to, or should I just leave it alone? Is he, your step cousin aware of this or is it really just between you and your sister and him? Yeah, the step cousin has no idea. Right. I think she said that he told his mom or something like that. And I was like, um, hello, his mom's going to tell my mom, you know, they know each other. We were at their wedding and stuff. It's just so strange. But as far as I know, nobody knows yet. And I, I think she's more nervous for them to find out and like right. see what they think since they do share custody of their kids mm-hmm. and all of that. I mean, part of me, my thought is first uh, regarding you and as far as your 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 thoughts on this or your role in this. And I think at this point, you need to allow them to go on this path they've chosen. And that puts pressure, I would imagine, on you with your immediate family, parents, you know, anyone, you know, having to be sitting on something like this waiting for them to feel that it was the right time, which it's argue when the right time is, or if it's if it's getting too long away, it's worse. I think that you let your sister know that, you know, your thoughts that, you know, they need to be up front at some point with this. But you shouldn't be putting the pressure on yourself to hold something like this. You know, I think it's it's upon her to make her own decisions, which I think is true and his own decisions. Yeah, Jim, I think you're totally right. But I also think I think it's hard to shut down a sister. I, I, I would suggest taking a middle ground, being like the listener, but not the messenger. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Nobody can be upset with you for not telling them. No. You know, that's ridiculous. Because <laughs> it, it'll come out and it'll probably be kind of, you know, it'll be a little buzz in the, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I think that, and who knows, maybe, who knows? I, I don't want to anticipate um anybody being upset with each other at this point. There may be those things, but it also feels like, shit, there's so many other things right now too. (laughs) But yeah, I would be a good friend to your sister, but if she asks anything of you to tell or not tell, I think you can say, I don't plan on saying anything to anybody and I just want to be your good friend. And I think think that's kind of all you can do right now and all you should do. I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean... 
my thought would be asking yourself the question, what is more important, having a relationship with your sister or voicing your opinions? Because I think, you know, I think if you do voice your opinions, it could potentially close off the relationship or, you know, make it challenging. And it's probably doubtful that no matter what you say, it would stop her from having this relationship anyway. So I guess what's more important, you know, in my mind, I think sort of asking yourself, is it the relationship with your sister or being able to be heard and try to voice what you want to say? I hate it when people tell me secrets. Don't you think if somebody starts a conversation by saying, okay, I need to tell you something, but you cannot tell anybody else. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I can never, ever guarantee you that. Ever. I can't. I know. So just don't fucking tell me. Sure, I'm curious, (laughs) but I'm letting, like, my experience override my curiosity right now. Yeah. But, so, Brittany, you're sort of saddled with this secret, unfortunately. And it's like an itch you can't scratch sometimes. But Mm -hmm. I think leave it alone for now. I think that's the smartest play. Are you close with your step-cousin? No, we just like a holiday kind of relationship. That's good. That's why I think I was just taking the stance of, like, I want to make sure that you're you're protected in in the sense of being, like, like Anna was saying, entrusted with something doesn't put a strain on relationships with anyone else that's important in your life. That's all. So I think it's just a matter of being respectful of your sister, being an ear, but also, you know, allowing them to go through their own process. Totally. Because Brittany, when this does come out, there probably will be drama. Oh, but but and you won't be a go-to for the drama. Yeah, it won't be like, oh my god, can you believe? Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Can you believe she did this? Can you believe she did this? <laughs> Which sometimes, especially when you're at home, is kind of fun. But um, <laughs> but at the same time, I think I think you can be an ear, but not the messenger. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And when she told me, I was like, okay, like, like you, I was like, oh boy, now I have a secret. Like, great. When I see my family and she's around, it's like, I know something, you know, but then right. now it's been like four, four plus months. I'm like, oh my gosh, just come out already. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. now I haven't seen anybody since I'm quarantined. So that kind of yeah. puts the pressure off. I know. Oh, hey, well, Brittany, thank you so much. Of course. Thank you, thank you guys so much for all your advice. Yeah. I love you, Brittany. Yeah, I love you guys. Stay safe. Yes, Thank you, too. you. Bye, guys. Okay, now we're going to call Kim. Hello. Hi, Kim. Hi, Anna. Hi, Hello. how are you? Oh. Good. Wow. How are you? Oh, I'm good. And I'm here with Nat Faxon and Jim Rash. Hey, guys. Hi. Hi. They have a crazy resume, but they're wonderful. (laughs) My gosh. Well, thank you, guys. Kim, your letter was really moving. Will you tell us um, what's going on? Yeah. So basically, I live in New York City right now. and I'm a PA in one of the ICUs here at sort of a big hospital. And so, as you can imagine, we're sort of stretched pretty thin, and there's a lot of added stress at work with everything that's going on, and we have a lot of really sick patients, and there's just a whole new level of anxiety at work. So that's my life. And then I also, my boyfriend, he's having a a very different experience with this. So we're long distance. He lives in Philly. He is sort of working from home and he's doing the whole work from home thing. He's like doing all these home workouts and he's 
cooking all the time and he's zooming everyone. He, he decided to foster a cat and he's learning Spanish and he is on TikTok now, which is crazy. And I normally would love this and think it's all so funny, but I just find that I'm kind of being a total like jerk about things. Like he'll reach out and talk about the cat and I'm like, I don't care about your cat. And I'm just kind of, I don't know. I feel like I'm very short with him and very rude. And he like tries to ask about work and stuff and what's going on with me, but it's sort of hard to talk to people about it who aren't in it. And I guess I'm trying to figure out a way to cope with this without torturing everyone around me and being a total dick to my boyfriend. And so that's like the main question is kind of like, what should I be doing right now to cope with this? Well, I think, I think we have a lot of thoughts. First, Kim, I know you probably, I can't thank you enough for mm-hmm. for doing what you're doing and your courage and, oh and compassion. Thank you so much, truly. All of this, like, it's affecting all of us, of course, very differently. But, um, but you know, our job is to stay at home, which in, we were all talking about how we feel a little guilty that there's a feeling of, like, shouldn't we be doing more? And you and your coworkers and your colleagues are doing um, just the the heavy lifting for all of us, and thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh thank you, Anna. That's kind. Oh no, God, no! It's, I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could say more. So I had some thoughts about communication, but I'm not great at it either, Kim. But Jim turns out is Jim. <laughs> Do you have some thoughts? Well, thank you, but this probably, let's see, here's here's what I'd say. I mean, Kim, I think, first let me start by echoing what Anna is talking about, because you are going through, like you said, a different experience with this. A number of you are on the front line experiencing something that, that we can only either read about or hear about. And then, uh, then the, there's another majority, like like speaking to your boyfriend, who are doing what they need to do as far as like hopefully um, flattening this curve and, and taking some of the pressure off, you know, our, our hospitals and, and 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 everyone else beyond that. That said, something that was very interesting to me as far as listening to you is you feeling hesitant to share with what's going on with you and let's say with in regards to talking to your boyfriend because uh, he won't understand it or you can't go to the depths that you need to but i i think one of the first things you know if he's asking about where you are i think the best thing uh, sometimes in a relationship is for you just to say exactly what you're feeling and that's going to include the stresses of the of the situation the um the truth of it you need a place to put that sometimes this is a time for us to to connect with each other and just try to be as honest as we can uh, on as that at all oh oh yeah yeah no i was oh god yes i was thinking about giving kim some specific ideas along your point like i think this should be put over like a, a quick text to him like hey baby or hey love I know I haven't been great at communicating what's going on in my life because sometimes I, I it's really hard for me to express it sometimes I want to forget about it sometimes I need to unload it you know when I get home from work I feel pretty rattled and I want to be able I want to feel close to you because I need you I need your closeness I need to feel connected with you and I love you so much so um, maybe after my next shift I want to start out because I want to learn too to how to communicate and Kim I say this because this, these are lessons that I should take for myself as well to some degree but because I'm, I'm terrible at communicating but but if you sort of preface it by preparing him and then you can start out by saying 
So I want to get better at being able to talk about my day because it is really, it weighs on me and I'm not good at it. And I'm worried that sometimes, you know, sometimes I don't want to talk about it because it makes me emotional. So I'm going to start out easy and I'm going to tell you what I had for lunch. And I'm going to, in a, yeah. like, I think ease your way into the day. If you get to big things like, you know, they're, that somebody passed or, you know, like those things, but don't necessarily feel yeah. pressure. Mm-hmm. Like if you're learning how to communicate about what happens, what's happening with you, you can start out with small details, you know. I love that idea. Yeah. And just prep him for that. Just tell him that you you want to feel really close to him. You want to communicate about these things. You need to. You need to. But you're still kind of digesting everything as well. So if he can be your support system from a distance right now. And, and he sounds like an, a great guy, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. He's great. Uh-huh. You're not disparaging towards him, you know? No. So I, I bet he would really understand. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a normal person would, I think, understand your need for patience and, you know, sort of slow exploration of the dialogue so you can get things off your chest and and also feel close to him, bring you guys close together. Otherwise, when you guys are able to be together, you know, you, you're going to be suffering, maybe not suffering, but I don't know the right way to put it, but you'll have had this experience that most other people won't have had. I would say that it would it's difficult probably to expect him to understand what you are going through because it's so vastly different from what probably a majority of us are going through. And I would say that you the best use of your time or the probably the best thing that you could do for your relationship is probably to figure out how best you can be supported. You know, what is it that you would help you? What is it that you would need? And then ask him for that. And if it's to have, a, you know, to talk about things that are not work related, that are like Anna suggested, talk about small little things and to just talk about daily life kind of moments or whatever it may be. But I think the more specific you can be probably for him as far as what you're needing and how what support looks like at this moment, then there's a an avenue for which he can have some direction for, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Kim, I think that sometimes people need to be told what they can give you. They don't know. And usually when they're when they're told, they will will understand. I know in your letter you say something like, I'm not quite sure what if this is a sign that we're not right together? Yeah. But I think, Kim, in the need for us to control everything right now, because I find myself thinking some thoughts that I, like controlling, the idea of control yeah. for me has been a big thing. It Like, mm-hmm. what, what am I obsessing over? Like, I'm obsessing over something really stupid, like, mm-hmm. you know, all the dishes need to be real, like just stupid stuff. And I'll get kind of like antsy about it. It's, of course... A, terrible comparison to what you're going through Kim <laughs> but but I will say that I do I don't think this is the time to entertain any drastic decision making no yeah I agree like I, I think that you need to just if you can kick that one down the road for a while because yeah. right now mm-hmm. you're going through a lot and you may need his support and if and if after a while you're not finding what you need or, or whatever but I think give this a chance see if he responds to to your, I, I, you know, I think it's all about how these things are communicated to with, if you do it with, mm-hmm. with kindness and I know that you're already, you've already given so much of yourself that I'm sure you want to just be like, 
fucking selfish. Yeah. And so that's why I think like a short note of saying like, I really want to feel close to you and I need you. And I'm, I want to try to learn how to tell you the things that I need. So please, you know, please be patient with me and I love you and I miss you or something like that. Yeah, and I think, no, I was just going to say that, I mean, absolutely, we have to give ourselves a little care here because all of our relationships and our just daily interactions with everyone that's in our lives is different. The circumstances have completely changed. So, so we are learning to live without stuff that was crucial, you know, um, human touch, uh, things that communicated more than words. You know, we, we have to give ourselves a break in all of these things, regardless of our circumstances during this time. And it's key, especially right now, is that you being up front with what both of you need in order to process things regardless. And I think just the fact that he's asking you, and I know that that's your right. You can say like, I don't feel like talking about that today. I would love to just to hear about you or let's, let's do something completely different. You know, let's watch a movie together. Let's just be together, but apart, you know, it's already a, a, I'm sure a task to be a long distance relationship, let alone to be in this kind of situation where you're being confronted with a whole new world, you know, a, a daily wake up and see stuff that is uh, very trying and very um, pulling of your energy because you have to put everything into other people right now. And Kim too, he may be, if you call him after you get back from your shift and you are wiped out and shell-shocked and he uh, is attempting to cheer you up by telling you about his TikToks or whatever, like you don't know how to communicate all the shit that you've dealt with in the day. And he's like, I need to cheer her up because she... I know what she's going through, so I'm going to tell you about all these the, the silly things when your mind is hinged on the panic that in chaos and all kinds of uh, – oh, gosh, I can't even imagine, Kim. I truly can't. Yeah. I don't know. I just had a weird thought of, like, you two, like, FaceTiming with, like, a glass of wine and just staring at each other for, like, three minutes without saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really like, nice. <laughs> you know, just just something – you know, maybe it just ends up in laughter or something, but just so you guys can oh, no. connect without um, some something yeah. being forced. I like, forced. Yeah, some conversation about something. Yeah. Maybe you guys come up with like four questions that you always ask each other. Like, what did you eat for lunch? Mm-hmm. What shoes are you wearing? <laughs> did something make you laugh today? Yeah. It sounds corny, but maybe it could lead to better communication that you that you need. Yeah, like to get in on a comfortable place and then things will be easier. No, I love that approach because I think I've sort of made the mistake of, I like, he'll ask me how I am, I'll kind of get into it and he doesn't really, like I said, medical to speak is almost a different language. Like I'll be like, oh, the PACU is an OR and or the, uh, the OR is now like uh, an ICU and we're, and it doesn't mean anything to him. Like all the punchlines are like, <laughs> falling on flat ears so it's like okay the story is officially well, we'll over if him. I have to explain yeah. everything yeah. so like so then you get frustrated and because you're like you don't understand my world at all yeah 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 exactly and so I think um it's sort of led to me kind of stopping doing that and then whenever I do want to talk about things I'm not, not I'm a little weary of it and then he'll start talking about some more trivial things that I know that he's trying to to cheer me up or distract me or something and then I just end up lashing out like I don't care about your stupid things I'm busy over here like I don't I like congratulations on your TikTok views or something like whatever so yeah no I think coming into it from a place where you know we can start off communicating well and then 
and then just find a more comfortable way to talk over the next few weeks because I just feel like there hasn't been tension but there's definitely this there's definitely this presence in the conversation that's just not being addressed like this whole topic that we're just not Mm-hmm. that we're just avoiding that's sort of hard to avoid to talk about so yeah i would just send him a sweet text so he can just prep himself a little bit like you know so, sort of like saying that you that you really need his love and support and you don't quite know how to ask for it because there's so much that's bombarding you at work right now and so that actress suggested that <laughs> We ask each other what we had for lunch. Because if you're like me, Kim, like like when, whenever there's distance or anything like that, I can self-isolate without being told to mentally. Yeah. And I think when you're under so much stress like you are, of course, that um, – and, and people in your life, I'm sure, like your family and friends and other people probably can't relate either. Yeah. And so the only people who can relate are people at work, I would imagine. And. Mm-hmm. So I think being honest with these people, I think it's such a great time to be like, listen, I can't waste my time right now with a lot of fluffier conversations. I have to tell you because I love you that this is really hard and I'm living a different existence than, than you guys. And I want to be able to talk to you about some of these these memories that I have and I love you and and I want you to know like this is I feel angry. I feel frustrated helpless or whatever and I you know what I mean like the time feels ripe to have more meaningful conversations yes mm-hmm. and you need a support system you mm-hmm. need the people you love to be lifting you I think by having like truly deep honest conversations with each other might be cathartic for everybody maybe I think that's so true yeah so are you working like do you work night shift yeah I work night shift my shift starts at seven actually so oh here, but God, well, thanks for talking with us. Working a lot of overtime and, yeah, yeah. Kim, I wish that I had, like, more specific things. I think don't break up with your boyfriend right now. (laughs) (laughs) Let him know that you you need more, and it's going to vary from day to day. And I think you should feel free to take the charge in the conversation if you get home and you're like, okay, I need to forget about things. I don't want to talk about work. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to talk about, you know, like, where – where we should travel when we can again or whatever whatever it is yeah some days it might be like i think i I might need to talk about today i think i might need to it's going to be hard so i want to tell you like well this happened on the way to work or whatever yeah because i think that'll be easier for you to start to unpack some of the trauma that that you're feeling yeah yeah no that's great advice thank you so much guys Uh, well thank you thank you so much thanks kim i love you very much i love you too I'm very, very, very grateful for what you're doing. Thank you. Yes, All thank of you. Us absolutely. Are. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Anna. So much. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Do you have a Do you have a joke up your sleeve? I don't have a favorite joke, but one of the things of our sort of interesting time now is lots of you know content. There has long been that picture, I'm sure you've seen it, but it's like the the perfectly drawn picture of Winnie the Pooh and Piglet walking down a little path. You know, it's probably one of the original, uh, you know, probably the original illustrations from those books. And it is constantly being used and and whatever Pooh is saying to Piglet or vice versa has been changed for great comedic effect. 
And there was one very recently, and most people have probably seen it. It's just that image of Pooh and Piglet, and their backs are to us, and they're walking down this path. And Pooh just says, back the fuck up, Piglet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, it's funny. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Anyway. Oh, I love them. How about you, Nat? You got one? This blonde woman is putting money into a vending machine and, like, getting stuff out, like a soda or something. And then she puts more money in and gets another soda. And there's, like, one guy comes up and stands beside, you know, behind her and is waiting. And then she keeps doing it, gets her third soda, and then, you know, another couple people. And by, you know, 10 minutes, there's a huge line. And the guy's finally like, what are you, you know, let's go. Like, please. And she turns around and she goes, duh, I'm winning. (laughs) (laughs) oh my god sorry i love it i love it that's great Uh, i love i love the duh anytime you can incorporate a good duh a duh duh yeah hey thank you guys so much what are you guys gonna do yes gonna make some stew yeah i'm gonna make well i got that chili because i got mark twain coming over of course (laughs) same mark twain doesn't like beans I just adore you guys so much. And yes. hey, listeners, check out Downhill. It's so fun and it's very appropriate for right now when yes, you're stuck with your family. It is out it's there. Awesome. It's on digital. You can find it. Um, all right. I just adore you guys. Thank, thank you, you. Well, so thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having yes. us. It was so much fun. Bye, guys. <laughs>